You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you? Doing good, Shane. Managed to not piss anyone off today, so uh, my day's going great. How about you? Oh, man, it is a fantastic day. Uh, it's a little slow, slow at the work, slow at the office, uh, you know, so I got a lot of time to watch uh, a lot of good stuff. On, on I mean, honestly, uh, I watched a lot of TV today, Mike. I'm not going to lie, okay? It's one of those <laughs> days. hope my boss isn't listening, but, you know, I watched a little bit of that NFL deadline, you know, trade deadline, which absolutely nothing happened. And then, of course, the big NCAA news dump right in the middle of it (laughs) nothing to see here (laughs) i was like oh man i was excited after that mike yeah well let's start right there so for anyone that didn't see it uh the ncaa had announced uh, that they are basically going down the road of allowing players to profit off their image and likeness Uh, this is obviously something that's been in the works i know california's passed the law I know Florida's trying to pass the law. I think there's several other states trying to pass similar laws. And it's kind of like I said at the time, all that was really going to do was force the NCAA's hand. They've had 100 damn years to figure this out. So now that these states, and I believe even someone is trying to get that done at the federal level, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, NCC, the NCAA forced to act. Now, the thing is, they have not officially announced anything. They still... Basically, what they announced today on Tuesday was that they are, you know, they have a working group studying it. Uh, that's going to continue. Uh, they're not going to impede it. And like I said, they're going to allow players to profit under specific guidelines. And they have not said anything about what those guidelines are. So we know nothing. Uh, but uh, they're, they're going to try to, to get that done, they said, by 2021. And I got a feeling the way these uh, states and, and federal bills and all this are going, they are not going to even have till January 2021. They're going to have to get this done probably in the in the off season of the of the college football season. So it's an exciting time. I, I know a lot of that stuff may be over people's head, but the most exciting thing for me, Shane, this is going to be the first big step in getting us back our NCAA college football <laughs> video game. Absolutely. EA Sports was probably jumping today, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but let me ask you about that. You sent out a tweet earlier, and I was just you said uh, it was about the fine bomb. Uh, talking to Feinbaum, first thing Vince Thompson mentions the NCAA video game. Mm-hmm. You put, quote, I do think you'll see EA produce some other games. I think you'll see those compensations and royalties go into the fund. So when I, when I hear the word fund, I think of Steve Harvey talking about the building fund, you know, <laughs> at church. If anybody's, you know, grew up in the South, they know what the building fund is. It's something they're always collecting, and then we never build anything onto the church. So when you say fund, Mike, what uh, what what do you think that's going to look like? I, I know it's way premature, but uh, how, how are they going to do this? Well, that's interesting. So that was not specifically my quote. That was uh, the guy there on the Fine Bomb Show, Vince Thompson, who uh, I believe is a longtime attorney, has been kind of dealing with this issue, this image and likeness against the NCAA. And uh, basically what he is saying, it's not going to be what some college football fans are fearing, that you know everybody that signs at Alabama is going to get a million-dollar check Everybody that signs at Georgia is going to get a million-dollar check. He's saying, hold your horses. That's that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen, this is just going to allow institutions like EA Sports to pay these players if they want to put them in the game. Kind of like, you know, if you want to play with Trevor Lawrence, they're not going to be able to do that without paying them. If you want to play as Tua, You're not going to be able to do that unless you pay him. Uh, But I think more than anything, what he's trying to say is this will cover schools in the event that anyone is trying to sue them. They're going to get this figured out well in advance because that was the issue. That's why the game went away because players, former players that were featured in the game sued. uh, They had to pay a heavy, heavy price, the NCAA and EA Sports, Mm -hmm. if I'm I'm not mistaken. And what he's basically saying there is – the money that these schools, I mean, they just have these huge funds that, I don't know if you know this, Shane, but to fix their books, in it, essentially, they just spend it back on the institution itself, building up these facilities. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're going to be able to pay these royalties to where they can be featured in these games and, uh, and bring back the NCAA video game. just makes you wonder, man, like if it's uh, like... Okay, like we have X amount of dollars, or maybe it's a percent off the revenue of the game, and I think that's what I imagine it'd be. And mm-hmm. a certain percent is going to go to these athletes, and whoever signs, you know, signs off on it, they're going to get their percent. And the more people that sign, I think the smaller amount they're going to get. But I don't think they can cater toward one person, which I see maybe happening. You know, something like you said, some like Tua. Everybody'd want to play with Tua down there in Alabama, but you know he does have a little bit of leverage. But if he says, "Hey, I'm not going to sign it unless you give me more," I think that's where it can get a little squirrely, you know. But as long as it's just like a blanket, you know, hey man, well just just sign it so everybody could play and you, everybody's going to get their part, you know, because mm-hmm. you'd be taken away from the team too at that at that. I don't know. I, it's just kind of it's going to be it's a slippery slope, and there's other other things. Think about it this way, Shane, because this was something that I was thinking about today after this got passed. Because everyone seems to be so concerned that you know these elite high school players are just going to be handed checks, going to be handed money, agents yeah. are going to be coming at them. Let me put it to you this way, Shane: Georgia Bulldogs. A few years ago, they got a quarterback 
that was supposed to save the program. And in a situation like this, he probably would have been given some money. And his name was Jacob Eason. Yeah. And then two years later, Shane, they landed another guy by the name of Justin Fields. He, you know, in one of these hypotheticals, he probably would have been given them all this money. Yeah. And that, you know, who wouldn't have been given anything is Jake Fromm. And what would that be worth today for those businesses that are handing out millions for Jacob Eason and Justin Fields to come to Georgia for one year and leave? It's not worth nothing. All that money is just wasted. And I don't. I think people are overestimating what these kids are worth. Jake Fromm, I know he was an elite prospect when he got to Georgia, but he was an afterthought. He His market share would have been little to none. I don't want to say none, but just very low coming into Georgia because he was not the name Eason was. He was not the name that Justin Fields is. What is he worth now? He's worth so much more than any of those guys, particularly in the state of Georgia. So I think it's, I don't think it's going to go down to that high school level. If you start paying all these high school kids all this money, you are just going to be out of luck pretty quick because I think more <laughs> often than not, that is not going to be worth anything. It's worth something to Jake Fromm. It's worth something to DeAndre Swift. It's worth something to Tua. But it's because those guys have put in the time and everyone knows they're superstars and, and we know who they are, but – you know the guys blocking for them. They're yeah. they're not superstars on a marketable level at this point, and I, I just don't really think it's going to have quite the impact that people are thinking it's going to. Mm, I'm going to have to disagree, man. I, I think that it will because you know I you hear the same old JJ Watt was a two star. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there was somebody uh, they always go to like one or two of them, and it seems like it's always JJ Watt. You know, mm-hmm. but the, the the deal is. When you look at, there's a reason that the University of Alabama is so good. And it's not because Saban's a fantastic coach. Is Saban a great coach? Absolutely. But it also helps that he has some of the greatest talent in this country. And this is off, you know, this is going off our ratings, off uh, 24-7, you know, or rivals or whatever. I mean, if you predominantly they're going to have four or five-star athletes. And and I think that's why it is going to make a difference at some of these universities, man, because the checkbook is open. You know, you look at a school like Texas A&M where, I mean, literally money grows on trees down there. Mm-hmm. You don't think that they're going to make, you know, lucrative offers to all these athletes that come down there. And then this ain't going to be like Moneyball, man, just who can pay the most, who can help their family out the most. I, I just think – this this is going to shrink the size of college football. Uh, you know, when you see teams that are pulling off these upsets like Kansas State and uh, beating Oklahoma, I think we're going to see less and less of that because these there's going to be super teams, super teams built all across the country, man. Well, th- those are called Alabama and Clemson. We already got them. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right, man. You're probably right. I, I that's a good point. I just I don't know. I just think when 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 money gets out there like this, I think we're going to see a a bigger separation, especially with the Power Five conferences. I think mm-hmm. you know eventually it's going to pull away and do its own thing. So uh, we're we're at the beginning of something that we've never seen before. Um, well, I can't say that either because there's been bag men around forever, Mike. So if everybody <laughs> thinks they've been playing by the books, you know, they got another thing coming. But I just think now when it does get out in the open, I think there's it's just going to be a, a cash grab. And 
you know, there's no stopping it, man. The ball is rolling. Uh, just, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride, Mike. Well, Shane, we're just kind of spitballing on something that's so far in, a, in the future. Uh, let's get back to, uh, you know, week 10 action. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, so we got an interesting game here in Auburn this weekend. War damn eagle. Gus Malzahn met with the media to preview the matchup against Ole Miss. You know, this is uh, why I think this is such an interesting game, Shane, because Auburn on their side, yes, they lost a devastating game there against LSU. Fair to say their college football playoff chances are on life support if they even got them still. (laughs) Of course, Hell, Shane, if Georgia beats Florida and Auburn turns around and beats them, that, that does a lot for their resume. If Alabama beats LSU and then Auburn turns around and beats Alabama, they may have an argument. So I'm not saying that they're done, but it's got to start this weekend in Ole Miss against Ole Miss. And how about this, Shane? Every game, Auburn's got four games remaining. They're all at home. Mm-hmm. This is a different team at home than on the road this season. Now, on the flip side, Ole Miss, they desperately – need to get this one. They've had two weeks to prepare. If they want to go to the postseason, you know, they really need to win this game. It's a, this is a dangerous team that's not been to the postseason in a number of years because of the sanctions, obviously no longer in effect there in Oxford. A very young team, inconsistent at times, but when things are rolling, when things are clicking for these Rebels, and we know they've got, it's proven, they got an outstanding coaching staff now with both their coordinators. This is going to be – this is an interesting game. This is dangerous. Auburn coming off a loss. Thoughts on uh, Ole Miss traveling to Auburn this week? I think I think Ole Miss can be a dangerous team, but I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Auburn misses a beat here. You know, I, I mean, we could have – we almost said the same thing when they lost to Florida, you know, or when they lost to Florida, you know, that this was going to be a close game with Arkansas. Man, that wasn't close. They, they, they took that thing off. I mean, it's close for a second, but as soon as Auburn put the gas on, it was over. This mm-hmm. is going to be a 7 o'clock game at Auburn. I just don't see them sleeping on this one. Uh, now, what is this, a 19-point spread, I believe? Mm-hmm. You know? Now, could the spread be in jeopardy? Absolutely. But I, I just don't think that I, – I don't think Auburn drops this one. I think the games that they lost – they easily could have won. I mean, it wouldn't have 
surprised you last week if they beat LSU. I mean, there there had to be some breaks for LSU to get to win that game. And same thing could be said about Florida. If Bo Nix didn't come out so scared, and when they were able to get some sort of offense or at least throw make that touchdown instead of an interception there at the goal line, you know, that, that could have been a different ball game. So I think Gus gets the boys right this week. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to have to start with uh, slowing down Plumtree and John Rice Plumley. I do not – I'm not 100% convinced this kid's going to play. He just had surgery, right? I think, last weekend. But they say he's going to play. I don't know if that's just pure gamesmanship. Mm. Uh, let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn on his thoughts on Plumtree. Not- <laughs> he, he got me <laughs> calling him damn Plumtree now. But, uh, you know, Auburn was high on this kid. I just I don't think they wanted him as a quarterback. I think they wanted him as a defensive back. And mm-hmm. then uh, how I mentioned it, playing in Jordan Hare every game here. And the rest of the season is at home for Auburn. This is a very important game to get that momentum going. Heading into that stretch run against Georgia and Alabama. It's got to start here this Saturday, though. Wasn't it his mom that said something about the surgery? Like, nobody even knew he was having surgery. And she gets on Facebook and was like, he's doing good. You know, the surgery <laughs> went well. And everybody's like, what the hell happened down there? <laughs> Thanks, yep. Mom. <laughs> that's, ex- that's pretty much how it played out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. And uh, he's had a lot of explosive runs. And I think up until last week, he was one of the top rushers in our league, you know, from a quarterback standpoint. And he's rotating with another guy. So I think that really says, you know, everything you, you need to say. Yeah, it's a difference maker. I mean, we, we play better at home. Uh, there's, there's no doubt, and of course our crowd, we feed off our crowd, and um, you know our group is a lot more comfortable, um, you know, and so we need to continue that. But that's a that's a great feeling. Um, so we're like I said, we're, we're glad to be back home, and uh, we need to kick this thing off the right way. But you know, like I said, we're playing a team that presents challenges, and um, and I, and, I, and they're a talented, they're a talented team, they're talented on defense and offense. So. It's a big good challenge for us. Yeah, it was a physical game. I think everybody saw that. We didn't practice on Sunday, um, you know, which that was really by design from the standpoint that it was a physical game and want to make sure our guys are fresh. But I really expect our guys to come out with great energy today at practice. Um, you know, as of right now, we're expecting everybody to play. Um, you know, which which is uh, is pretty important. And uh, looking forward to a good practice today. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a comfort. I think one is a comfort, and there's something special about you know our place and our fans and the connection our players have with them, and they feed off of them, and and uh, that's very unique, and uh, and it's a comfort, and. Um, I think that's probably the best way to put it. I think the same thing is probably true about, about the other. It could. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, all I know is, is with us, but it could be. All right, Shane, so Gus, it's kind of an obvious statement to say you play better at home, but it's just Auburn seems to be completely locked in at home. I mean, they're just killing people at home. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a little bit struggling on the road. I think that also has to do with the caliber of opponents, obviously. They've yeah. not hosted an elite team. They're traveling in all these elite, uh, tough environments to play. 
But just how big will this be for Auburn playing at home? Any chance, Shane, when they go on another magical run? It's just, sometimes that Jordan Hare, especially at night, Shane, the prayer <laughs> of Jordan Hare, the kick six, go on and on. 2017, that magical run they went on when, damn, Gus was going to get fired until he won those two games and they gave him the world's biggest extension. Any chance you see that happening for Auburn once again? You can't count them out. I, I really do think that Auburn's one of the luckiest teams in the world. You know, I, whether it be with basketball or football, they just they they find ways to win when you least expect. So I, I'm not ready to to hang up. You know, Auburn here. They they've lost two quality opponents. And they're starting to find that running game. That defense, man, at times is it shows why it's one of the best defenses in the nation. I, I just, I mean, think about it. What's what's the rest of their schedule, uh, Auburn? After this, I, I don't want to get too too far ahead, but it's important to know who these guys are going to be playing next. They've got what Ole Miss, then they got Georgia, Sanford, and they, and they have two weeks to prepare for that Georgia game. So that's important. Yeah, Sanford and then Alabama. So I mean, it's a hell of a stretch run there. But but what would happen? I mean, we're singing a different tune about Auburn if if they're ranked eleventh right now. Okay, mm-hmm. they're a two loss team. And last year we 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 looked at Georgia not being able to make the the playoffs as a two loss team, but mainly because of their schedule. Now, if you flip the flip the script here and Auburn wins out. They beat the university of Georgia and they beat the university of Alabama. And let's say they just, they run the table four more wins and they're sitting there with two losses. How can you keep a team like that out of the playoffs, man? A team that went toe to toe with LSU, uh, a team that, you know, at, at, I, I hate the box score of the Florida Auburn game, but, uh, but that was a close one. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, if they beat Georgia and they beat the university of Alabama, uh, yeah, I think they are a t- they are in consideration for a top four team in the nation. You know, a lot of things got to happen, and of course they got to win those two games. But I'm not ready to count out Auburn because they've got the pieces needed to make a run. Still, yeah, and with the two losses in the SEC already for Auburn, it's it's going to be very tough for them to make the SEC championship game. Probably not going to do it, but they're and they're at home. I'm how about this scenario, Shane, where they finish the season? With two losses, they beat Georgia, they beat Alabama, and either Alabama or LSU, or hell, let's just say even Georgia, if any of those three win the SEC, Mm -hmm. I think particularly if it's Alabama or Georgia, two teams that Auburn would have beaten if they win the SEC, it's going to be very, very hard to keep Auburn out of the playoffs saying, yes, they lost two games, but... They beat the SEC champion, and and they just went through. They just beat the team that just won it. Yeah. How do you keep this team out? You know, I think exactly. I think that's going to be their and much like uh, Alabama for the college football playoff. I mean, they're they're going to have almost like an extra buy because they won't have to play in the SEC championship exactly. game. It, it it's it's to their benefit if they do make the playoff. It's to their benefit. The next four games. Or at home, Mike, if anybody can make a run in the West other than Alabama and LSU, it's Auburn, man. All right, well, let's kick it over to the other side, Shane. Let's jump on down to Oxford. Matt Luke met with the media here recently, and uh, we actually got a little bit of breaking news here on Tuesday. 
Uh, this was interesting to me, but uh, freshman quarterback Grant Tisdale leaving the program, Shane. He's entered the NCAA transfer portal. And this was an interesting timing, I guess. I should have done a little bit more research, but this just happened before we jumped on the pod. I don't know how many games Tisdale has played in. I don't think he's played in four. So I was assuming that maybe, you know, had he played in one more, he would lose his red shirt. Not really sure why he's doing that at this point. I, I understand him leaving with, uh, you know, Matt Corral playing fairly well. And then we've seen old Plumtree here break out. So it kind of mm-hmm. makes a little bit more sense why he'd leave. But all indications are that uh, John Rice Plumley, he may not, his future may not even be in football, maybe in baseball. So uh, this is an interesting decision, Shane, that uh, the Rebels are losing a freshman quarterback already, particularly at this time of year. That's that's just kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, late this late in the season, uh, that one that one kind of caught me off guard. It, it feels like this would be a decision you'd make in the off season. Hell, you only got four games left, maybe five if they go to a bowl. So mm-hmm. uh, that one that one does kind of surprise me, particularly with the injuries the Rebels have been had under Mm -hmm. center here recently you think he'd want to give it a go but uh, wish him the best of luck and then going back to Ole Miss here Shane remember this is a team that all offseason what they were preaching was we can finally get back to the postseason I thought there was no chance in hell you predicted they could make it Uh, right now we're kind of split down the middle because they could still go they've got some winnable games remaining on their schedule I think this is going to be the toughest one remaining uh, they kind of went in the tank last season at this time, but there was also injuries and, you know, there was questions on whether Matt Luke would return. Both his coordinators were one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. Now it's a different team. It's a younger team. But that's a good thing about having a young team, Shane. Sometimes they don't have the scars that you had in years past. And as the season goes on, they can get better as they have a better understanding of what you're asking them to do. They understand the SEC game. Uh, thoughts on Ole Miss, Shane? I mean, I think it would be certainly an upset if they won on the road at Auburn this weekend. Yeah. But I don't think it would shock either one of us either. No, no. I, I still think that they, they, they've got a real shot of, of making – but golly, the more I look at their schedule, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think that, that's missed. why this game is so critical. You know what? Yeah, but it's just, it's, golly, it's a tough game. I just, I, you know, Auburn's a tough team, and you know, but then the only other option is LSU. So my bold prediction may be crashing, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you who's not ready to crash, Shane. That's Matt Luke. He was asked about reaching the postseason on avoiding last season's poor streak there at the end. And then on Auburn's defensive front and uh, how they plan to scheme up something interesting for the Tigers. Matt, Matt, I know you guys, uh, the goal is to win every game left on your schedule. with this APR bowl qualification thing, is that anything that, that you guys have even – remotely looked at no I, I'm I think APR is is huge and we want to be really really good at that but our, we're focused on Auburn and you know we want to get we want to get to a bowl game by winning six but again you got to focus on one at a time and with our football team you know that's what we focused on hey let's get better from week to week let's go let's go take this open date let's us focus on getting better let's go try to find a way to beat Auburn 
On that idea, this is about the time of year when last year the losing streak kind of started. Do you see something about this team that maybe think can avoid that, can be different this yeah, year? Yeah, you know, I don't think – I think you can always learn from the past, but this is a totally different team with a bunch of new faces. And, uh, I mean, just the different styles on offense and defense, so totally different. But, again, the mindset is to try to find a way to win the next game, and that's, that's what we're focused on. Matt, um, how do you attack a defensive front which, with as much experience as Auburn has? Yeah, I mean, both offense and defense are both experienced. I mean, you look at their offensive front, they got all redshirt seniors across the whole front. I mean, this is an experienced group. But, I, I, again, I think you have to eliminate negative plays and try to extend drives and try to make them play as many plays as you can and try to, you know, again, they will sub some, but I think it's important to stay out of negative plays. I think that's huge. Is it important to show a group like that something that you haven't shown other people, something different? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. I think there, you're always going to have a few wrinkles that you'll throw in, especially coming out of an open date. But you got to be careful. you got to be who you are. and Because I think when you try to start doing stuff on the road that's different and you start getting to a bunch of negative plays, that's what you can't do. you got to know what you're doing against this group and go play really, really fast. All right, Shane, so Matt Luke, I, I thought the most interesting thing he had to say here, aside from the fact that, uh, you know, trying to avoid last season's issues there at the tail end of the season, was the fact that Ole Miss has had two weeks to prepare for this. And, you know, they are who they are, but at the same time, to deal with this Auburn defense, they're going to they're gonna give them some wrinkles here. I think uh, the Rebels are playing with house money in this game. They got nothing to lose getting Auburn coming off a very tough defeat. Uh, I think uh, kind of like Will Muschamp there against Alabama, I'd love to see Matt Luke just kind of call a crazy game here where they're kicking, you know, <laughs> surprise all the sides, going for fake field goals, fake punts. I think that's uh, that's kind of be the key to Ole Miss pulling this upset. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they can't – and that's why Plumtree needs to be out there. I, I know he's, he's banged up, had a surgery, but, you know, this – this they're going to need offense, man, and they're going to need an X factor out there to to compete with Auburn to be able to move the chains. Because if you keep going three and out, man, it, it's just a matter of time before your defense is going to give up. Uh, you know, so I, I think I think you're right. This is something that they that Coach Luke, if he's been stored anything back there, he needs to pull it out this week. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's had two weeks to prepare for this, so I'm hoping that they got something. And uh, last note here on the Rebels, Shane, Jerry on Ely, true freshman running back. He's been banged up, but uh, Matt Luke says he's full go. They're going to need him for this one, so that's that's a good start. Oh, yeah. All right, I Shane. Don't know, I don't, real quick, man, uh -huh. just you and me talking here for a second. Why the hell are they not at the, the, the game day? Mm -hmm. Why are they not at the Georgia-Florida game? I mean, is it because Georgia – LSU's coming up, or, or Alabama. I, I don't understand what's going on here. I, I couldn't tell you, man. I don't. I don't know. I got nothing on that. That one. Jo not Georgia LSU. They got George. You got Georgia Auburn, maybe. I mean, has Georgia even had a game day? Oh, Notre Dame, maybe. Did they have Notre Dame? Uh, I think so. You know what? It doesn't matter. They should go to Georgia three times before they go to Memphis once. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, and I tell you, man, if Gus loses this week, Mike, I'm I'm firing him again. I mean, you know, I'm I'm putting the poker chips in in the table on the table, man. I'm I'm all in on this game. Uh, not saying this is my better week or anything like that. Let's don't get too crazy, but I'm just saying, 
if they drop this Ole Miss game, then I drop all love that I have for Gus. All right, Shane, can we go on? Can we move on to South Carolina? Yes. Yeah, sorry. My beer's kicking in. All right, Shane, let's take a break from the podcast to let the listeners know that support for that SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. We got an exclusive offer from Manscaped, the listeners of the podcast, to get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code SEC over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping over at manscaped.com. And I got to tell you, Shane, Manscaped sent me over the product. It's a high-class operation over there, Shane. I mean, they give you a leather-bound tote bag. I'm loving this bag. Uh, the razor's fantastic. They give you perfume. I got to be honest with you, Shane. My girlfriend sprayed this perfume. She wanted to sample this perfume. Branded all over the house here. I'm, not, I'm gonna tell you a funny story, Shane. I went to a wedding recently. Thanks to the electric razor from Manscaped, I got two haircuts. The girlfriend's loving that one, Shane. So we're listening to the podcast. Twenty percent off, free shipping over at Manscaped.com using the promo code SEC. Once again, that's the promo code SEC over at Manscaped.com. Get twenty percent off, free shipping. I really recommend this product. They've sent it over to me. It's a hell of a device here. Once again, that's promo code SEC over at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Check it out. Let's jump on down to Columbia. Shane, Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday. And uh, the Gamecocks in another tough spot here. Everything was looking good. Beat Georgia. Probably the shocker in the SEC to this point. But they followed it up with two tough losses, Shane. And, uh, you know, I don't think Will Muschamp's on the hot seat, but a lot of people unhappy with him once again. It's just been such a damn roller coaster. I think uh, the fact that uh, they don't, you know, you always want to see the freshman quarterback when your elder statesman there is, is not living up to the potential. Uh, you know, I know we certainly got caught up in the Heislinski hype. <laughs> but particularly for, I mean, I, I don't know that it really matters where you live, but a guy from California coming across the country, first time ever experiencing SEC football. It just seems like Helinski, maybe the season is kind of wearing on him a little bit. He came out playing so well, and we just not have seen that in you know several weeks in a row will muschamp says he's not hurt i don't know if that's the issue or i don't know if muschamp is just you know trying to protect his quarterback there i don't i don't know what's going on there but uh is it possible the gamecocks are kind of missing some leadership i don't want i don't want to say missing a leadership but just you know something that halinski is not providing that maybe a guy like jake bentley who's been through four seasons of SEC football it could bring to the Gamecocks? <laughs> oh, Bentley, man. You know, you're going back. Uh, I just – I don't know, man. Bent, uh, Bentley loves South Carolina. I don't think – I still don't think there's anybody on that team that loves South Carolina more than Jake Bentley. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe in a game like the Tennessee game, you know, when you need some sort of rally at half, you know, or – or you you know maybe a couple series weren't going right. You need somebody fired up on the sideline. Maybe that would have helped. Uh, but 
I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's just the quarterback, man. You know, I, I think uh, it's 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 guys like Dowdle, you know. Uh, that's mm-hmm. another upperclassman that wasn't out there. I think there's there's a, a little banged up seniority that's not able to play or participate, and and maybe that's a factor. But um, I don't know. I watched this game. I've watched it twice now, and I really do think Kalinsky's hurt. The 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 thing that blew my mind was the fact we didn't see Joiner at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when they didn't get anything going in the third quarter, you thought maybe there'd be a series or two. You'd see him come in in the fourth, but well, the thing just... is, I think he's hurt too. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. Is he mm-hmm. hurt? Well, I mean, they're saying he's not, but I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I don't understand why we're not seeing him. And it, he he has been banged up. He played in that Georgia game, obviously, but hmm. I mean, he he came into that one kind of banged up too. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then. I, I retract what I say. I mean, you're just rolling Helensky out, but I don't know. I didn't hear that, so I, I'm going to stick with the fact that uh, they needed some sort of spark, and it needed to come honestly from the coaches, and that all goes back to Muschamp. As much as you know, some some folks hate him, some folks love him, but that but the fact that there was no change through that second half, that's that's all in your head, ball coach, man. Mm-hmm. Let's make it clear. I'm not saying that uh, Helensky's costing them games. I don't think it, like you said, it's not all on him. I think the biggest issue right now is probably this defense. You know, the defensive line's doing their part. I think the linebackers are playing their hearts out, but the secondary has been very inconsistent. Florida mm-hmm. kind of carved them up. Tennessee obviously did with a bunch of, you know, one quarterback, Shane, was, was ready to kick out of Knoxville. Another one that <laughs> uh, I had never really seen complete a pass in a college football game. Those guys just tore into him. Uh, so that's something, and that's supposed to be Will Muschamp and uh, Traveris Robertson's specialties, defensive back. So, you know, they I know they're thin there, but uh, they do have some solid starters. You kind of you need to see a lot better out of that group, particularly moving forward. I mean, hell, they got Clemson coming up. Uh, they got this game against Vanderbilt, who's got some talented receivers too. Uh, so let's jump on down to Will Muschamp talking about his team's second half issues they have just got basically nothing in the last couple weeks here and that's killed them uh on the players continuing to buy in on the direction of the program and then finally shade i thought this was great he was asked about uh our little promo clip that we have there about the damn do your job clip (laughs) and when you look at the tennessee tape offensively how much of the struggles were you know play calling or scheme and how much of it was execution how much do you have to tweak well, we're not getting the production we need, you know, especially in the second half. And uh, I, th- I don't think that it's one thing. I think it's multiple things. Um, you, you look in second half, and, and we study this stuff, and, and, you know, we've had ten turnovers versus power five opponents this year. Seven of them have come in the second half. We had two against North Carolina, and I'm just thinking in terms of our first three games, two of North Carolina, two against Alabama, two against Missouri. Um, we've had six possessions end on downs. Uh, well, we don't convert a fourth down situation regardless of the situation it might have been. But that's 13 possessions, which right now I, I want to say in the second half this year we've had anywhere from 46 to 48 possessions. <clears throat> so I'm not very good at math, but I want to say it's about 30% of your possessions are not ending with you giving yourself a chance to score points. Um, I, you know, I think that you really look at it from a standpoint of you know why is that happening? I think that our our we've we've been ineffective consistently throwing the football. 
Uh, and I think that goes to multiple areas of protection. I think it goes from you know, route running, precise routes, accuracy with the football. It's not one thing. It's, it's multiple things. We just we were trying to correct. We're trying to get it right. I uh, thought we got off on the right start on the first play of the game last week and felt like there were some things that we did do positive as far as those things are concerned. Uh, Will, from the outside, I know sometimes it's easy just to look at wins and losses, but obviously there's much more that goes into it. Your players today very vocal in the support in terms of where this program is heading. How important is it when things aren't going well to know that the players have that support and still trust the process of where it's heading? You know, our guys, we got a really good locker room. We have a great culture here. We have really good leadership on our football team. That's why you recruit the right kind of character and the right kind of young men to be in your locker room. And when you go through adversity, you, you know, you handle those things. And our guys will handle it in a first-class manner, and that, that's part of it. How often do you say do your job in a day to your team? Quite a bit. I say it to myself a lot, too. Where does, what's the background of that being one of your real fundamental beliefs? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, when I was working for Coach Saban, Coach Belichick came to LSU a lot and visited us in the off season. Whether it was working out a, um, you know, a player for the draft or it was visiting with our staff to exchange ideas, and you know, that was one of the things that I think is very simple to understand. Uh, you know, do simple better is one of our other things we talk about all the time, and and uh, that's a very simple description for you and your your job and what you're doing and sometimes in life we all want to get concerned about what somebody else is doing or they're not doing their job good enough or we need to do this job this is what this is happening well just do your job how about let's handle that first and then we'll handle the others and that's something that's easy uh, for our anyone to understand as far as those things are concerned all right, Shane, so old Wilmos Chip, he did not really want to get into that damn clip. I think he's probably heard it, seen it too many damn times, but uh, credit to that reporter who had the balls to ask him it. But I just thought that was great. But to really the thing that I, that I wanted to really hone in on here, Shane, is I like the, you know, the team – that Will Muschamp has built, the locker room that he's built. Uh, these players, I, I really do think they try, you know, they play hard for their coach. We see it at times, but, uh, you know, it just needs to be more consistent. That's what's missing in my mind. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that goes all the way to week one, man. You know, they mm -hmm. shouldn't have lost to North Carolina. No. Missouri was a uh, – was a. I don't know. I, I still don't know what we have with Missouri, but it felt like now South Carolina had an opportunity to win that one, and they didn't. You know, I'm I'm worried about them. You know, uh, here you're coming off a, a huge loss, dude. Say what you want. The, you know, the, everybody had South Carolina winning this game. You know, especially with Tennessee having Garantano and and uh, another freshman playing quarterback that does hasn't even thrown the ball. You know what I'm saying with this defense. So. Where you go from here? You're you've got three wins. You've got Vandy, Appy State, South Carolina against Texas A&M, and then Clemson. It's just, well, I mean, where's where's your three wins, Mike? Where where are they going to get them? Well, I'm hoping they can beat Appy State twice, Shane. That would that would help. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think obviously that uh, the key game there's going to be that Texas A&M game. They're going to put all their chips in on it. And, uh, you know, I'm not counting them out against Clemson either because say what you want about uh, the, 
where that program's at, uh, you know, these rivalry games, particularly in-state rivalry games, man, they, yeah. you just never know what you're going to get. And uh, as long as Cousin Shane's throwing his, his lock, <laughs> as long as he's not putting a lock on the Gamecocks, I'm feeling pretty good about him in that one. Oh, that's true, man. I'm going to go ahead and lock down Clemson on that one, Mike, because you know, <laughs> I hate Clemson that bad. So, uh, no, I just, you know, I, I feel bad for the university because they 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 really have had moments, flashes of just a – I mean, it just felt like they were coming out, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you beat Georgia. Do you, do you know how big that was? I mean, there's I'm still seeing – little memes and gifts come out from that game. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was one of the biggest wins that I can remember South Carolina having. And then they follow it up with this, you know, it just felt like they just, that I don't know. They just couldn't capitalize on the moment. And, and it sucks because they're sitting here and potentially not making a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Well, before we move on, Shane, from South Carolina, we have a couple of comments here from the Gamecocks kind of similar to what Will Muschamp was hitting on. Uh, These players are still fully invested, still bought in, and that's given me hope that, uh, you know, if they get a couple of these issues corrected, maybe they can surprise some people because it wasn't that long ago we were saying, you know, Texas A&M's looking pretty shaky. It's got to start this week against Vanderbilt. But if they get this one, the way these players are talking, I think they can get the ball rolling. I got all the faith in the world in Coach Muschamp, you know, he puts us in situations to be successful, and you know he's a guy that does anything anybody asks him and everything. So I mean, I mean he's a, he's a good guy to me, and I, I trust what he's doing, and I like how he's developed me into a player. About him and talk about how he's unfit for the job. They just don't personally know him and know everything that he does to get us prepared. And the and being realistically realistically, I don't believe. I believe more so the problems that we have in games comes down to us. They teach us the right stuff. They show us the right stuff. It's just a matter of fact of just doing your job. That's what I preach, and and I'm going to continue to preach it because at times we have the ability to not want to do our job and to want to try to make too many plays at once. Just know it's one play at a time, make your play, and good things will come out of that. All right, Shane, so if nothing else, that's got to give you some confidence. If you're a Gamecock fan, the players still buying in still pushing in the right direction. Um, you know, by the time the season ends, maybe the schedule was too much for this team. Uh, but with the with the senior leadership on this squad, I still, I don't think uh, we've, we've seen the last of South Carolina having a big game or two this season. No, me either. And, and, and honestly, it stems from the players. You've seen this with a couple of teams that have struggled this year, uh, Tennessee included. You and Juwan Jennings coming out, you know, making statements. You've got uh, uh, LSU came out, you know, just at the start of the season. This is a new offense. This is pumped up. You hear, when you hear the players buying in to what the coach is selling, uh, that's when usually good results happen. So uh, I, I like hearing these comments. This is, you know, this is something to build off of for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, so let's kick it down to Nashville. Take it down. This is South Carolina's opponent this week, Vanderbilt. You know, this is an interesting – situation here i mean two weeks ago we had Derek mason two feet out the door we were we were trying to figure out his buyout and uh, who they bringing in and all this and uh, you know let's just start right there because there was a espn report i believe from adam rittenberg saying that uh, vanderbilt interested in jeff fisher 
<laughs> former NFL coach who lives here in Nashville. They're connecting the dots. He lives down the street, Shane. It must mean he's he's interested in the job. Uh, but the Vanderbilt AD Malcolm Turner came out and says that's completely false. I did so, tweet him, by the way. He didn't so, answer. Says, <laughs> <laughs> he says they are not currently conducting a coaching search. Didn't say anything about the security of Mason, which is kind of interesting. But uh, I mean, just thoughts on that. I mean, I. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think Fisher's gonna be saving Vanderbilt football. Do you? Oh, well, Fisher though. I mean, six wins get you to a bowl, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he'll never leave if he gets down there. So, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have Fisher in the SEC. I think that's just great for college football. But there's just no way you're getting him off that river in Montana. You know, he ain't doing it. <laughs> Oh man, what a stash though. You know, that magical mm-hmm. stash. That's he would be he would be great, man. <laughs> Let's kick it kicking back to their actual coach, Derek Mason. Uh met with the media here on Tuesday, Shane. But uh, you know, this is another team kind of like South Carolina. We we're talking about, you know, them upsetting Georgia, maybe not to the same caliber, but still it was shocking when they beat Missouri. We just don't know if that's the Vanderbilt we're going to get the rest of the year or if, you know, Missouri was overlooking them. I think this game's going to tell us a lot about the Vanderbilt team. And, uh, you know, the the quarterback, Mo Hassan, who I was totally not even familiar with, got the start there against Missouri, but he got banged up. He's in uh, the concussion protocol. I think uh, they're not saying you know, Derek Mason is very guarded about his quarterback situation. He has been all year. Uh, Mo Hassan gave him a little bit of spark here, but uh, is it possible one player just, you know, got the team motivated in that one game? Or um, I don't know. I guess my question to you, Shane, is just what Vanderbilt do you think is going to show up here on Saturday? Hell, Mark, if I knew that, I'd make money, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, I don't know. Is it the UNLV Vandy or is is it the Missouri Vandy? I don't know. You know, they they got a tough stretch here, man. They got South Carolina, Florida. They closed out with Kentucky, ETSU, and, of course, the University of Tennessee. I I, I don't know, man. Is Are they catching fire now? I uh, They came out. They played with passion. But it almost felt like Missouri just didn't have any energy. And it felt like they were a little banged up. And, you know, hell, they just can't play on the road or something, you know. It just – I don't know. Did we see a bad Missouri or did we see a good Vanderbilt? That's – that's the real question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just don't think we're going to get that answer until Saturday. Uh, <laughs> now, this is obviously a huge game, much you know similar to the uh, Ole Miss-Auburn game, like mm-hmm. we were talking about with the Rebels. I mean, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, I don't think either one of these teams has a shot in hell of going to the postseason. If they don't win on Saturday, I don't think the players kind of go into it thinking that. Maybe they do, but... Um, that's just how important this game is for the rest of the season. Uh, so this is going to be one to watch this weekend for sure. Oh, for sure, man. Uh, what's what's going on with the the quarterback situation? Is or did you go over that? Is Nick yeah, Neil? Well, he's he's just not really saying anything. But if it's going to be Mo Hassan, if he's cleared, I would imagine. I mean, he was cl- he was clearly the best quarterback they had yeah. against Missouri, but then he got knocked out of the game. Uh, they had a bye week, so they've had plenty of time to rest them. 
Uh, let's let's start right there with Derek Mason, Shane, who was asked about uh, Mo Hassan, and I thought this was pretty interesting. Like I said, I didn't know much of the backstory on this kid. Came from junior college. Before that, he was at Syracuse. So Derek Mason reached out to uh, Syracuse coach Dino Babers just to figure out uh, who this kid was. Derek Mason didn't even know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump on down to Mason here. He would be he would be near as a backup, I think, with Deuce. Spent mm-hmm. that year. What did you see in him at Coffee Bill that said this guy could come in and fill that role as a backup to Sherman? Well, man, before that, I did a little homework. I mean, he was at Syracuse with Dino Babers, man, before that. And so, um, you know, I mean, I've got a relationship with Dino, and me and Dino had a chance to talk about, you know, what we were getting. And, and I mean, we thought it was a good fit, a guy who had been in a Division One program, who had been through the junior college ranks and played and, and played junior college football at Coffeeville, which is a, a, a you know, top, top-notch junior college. And, uh, you know, for us, he his, his demeanor, um, you know, his intelligence, uh, you know, his, his, his calmness, uh, but, but really more so, man, his ability to compete, I thought was something that, that, that could help us. Uh, and a year ago, man, we utilized him, you know, as much as we could as he was learning the system because, you know, really for him, uh, you know, it was a, a change from what he was doing at Coffeeville. And getting used to maybe doing things differently than you might with another QB. Well, you know, we, we have crossover uh, reps, you know, offense, defense, good on good. Uh, and, and you know, man, Mo was able to take a lot of those reps and is still running the offense. So I think for him, you know, those, those it's about a cumulative investment. Uh, and granted, I mean, he may not get every rep of, of what we do, uh, much like the one or the two, but, you know, I mean, he got enough cumulative reps, whether it be camp, whether it be, uh, you know, I mean, those crossover periods over a seven-week period to, to uh, you know, help us understand exactly where he was. Uh, you know, he, he he was well pronounced when we were able to sit in meetings and talk about, you know, read progressions and, you know, what he could do. And what you try to do is play to the strengths of the guy that's that's under center. And so that's that's exactly what we did. But for him, he understands uh, where we sit today um, and what we, you know, continue to do is make sure that uh, whether it's Mo or whether it's anybody else, you know, I mean, the person under center knows how to utilize the weapons around him because, again, I mean, this offense isn't just about the quarterback. It's about, you know, like how do we how do we give ourselves the best opportunity I mean, to get our ball or, or to get the ball to playmakers. A lot of the same things they did so well against Georgia. They really didn't look great against Tennessee. But how do you know what you think you can do against Tennessee? You know, I, every week's a new week. Uh, I and mean, in this game, I think what you got to do is you, you got you to gotta look at, you know, I mean, their strengths. Uh, everybody's got strengths. Everybody's got weaknesses. Um, man, this defense is a defense, man, that, that, that gives you problems. And it starts up front. I mean, they're good up front. I mean, they've got two, two of the best interior players uh, in the conference, and they got a guy in Wanham who can get after you. So uh, for us, I think it's very important that, that you know, man, we're smart. We understand who we are. Uh, man, we try to take advantage of the things that we see. But um, let's not beat ourselves. And, you know, in ball games like this, you know, what happens is, man, you get caught trying to do too much. And, and so with this, we're just going to make sure, man, we, we stay the course. Um, not going to panic. You got to go into a hostile environment. You got to play a good football team who knows how to get after you and get you behind the chains. And um, you got to try to stay out of those situations. All right, Shane. So, I mean, maybe the Commodores have found something here in this kid, Mo Hassan. But, you know, it kind of begs the question, why in the hell weren't they playing him earlier? Um, I don't know. I, I, this is going to be fascinating to see. This could be another case where, I mean, this happened before in college football where, you know, 
this guy's buried on the depth chart. Maybe, you know, I know you've mentioned this several times on the show, but some players just not great in practice, great in the game. If Mo yeah. Hassan is that for Vanderbilt, <laughs> yeah, I know we had we had this team completely done for a couple weeks ago, but uh, outside of this Florida game, they've got several winnable games on their schedule. They can make a little riddle run here. Dude, I think they – I mean, don't that suck? You find your quarterback – because I'm there, okay? We found our quarterback, and he keeps getting knocked out of games. So we hope that he clears his concussion protocol uh, and he comes out because you're right. I mean, any spark – that they had was with Mo back there. Neil about threw the damn pick on his first drive. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you, you're, you're hoping that he comes back and, and you, honestly, I, I'm a firm believer, man. I, I hate practice quarterbacks. I mean, people, like you said, can look really good in practice, but when it comes game time, when it, when it comes clutch time, that's when I think that you find out who your playmakers are. And uh, I don't know. Mo, we didn't see a, We didn't see a huge sample, but what we did, it felt like he has a little little spark in the tank there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to College Station where Jimbo Fisher met with the media here recently. And Gigamagus. Uh, Texas A&M taking a break from SEC play. They got UTSA this week, uh, but they have a really solid coach. And Frank Wilson, I know he's done – uh, he, he was a very successful high school coach, and he's been an SEC assist, assistant all over the league. So uh, this is a well-respected coach that's uh, taken this program over. And, you know, A&M's a huge favorite. Obviously, they're going to win this game unless something terrible happens here. But uh, this is a team that, uh, you know, Texas A&M finally got some momentum going after the tough start. They got a really young team. Any danger here, Shane? Not you know, outside of uh, they have a couple key veterans, but not many. This young team, we've seen it across the SEC. If you don't get your team up for a game like this, you go sleepwalking <laughs> into it. Uh, a and I'm not saying they're on upset alert by any means, but um, I don't think these they can really afford to just kind of take it easy, given the fact that a couple weeks ago, it, I mean, they were struggling to beat Arkansas. You know what? Yeah, no, I mean, sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking at notable alum at uh, Texas uh, San Antonio. I, I don't know any, I don't know any of these people. Michelle, I know uh, Michelle Beadle. You know her, right? ESPN, right? She is notable. She just had a birthday. That's all I got, Mike. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think they're over. I don't think you can overlook this team, man. I, I think Texas a and going to come out. They're going to do their job. Uh, it's going to start out. It, it just feels like it's going to be one of those games that starts out slow in the first, second quarter. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, let's, let's just start throwing the ball. And that's when they're going to take away with it. So I, I am not worried about this game at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much for a talking point there, Shane, but uh, <laughs> so, so let's kick it down then to Jimbo Fisher. Cause I thought, uh, you know, some of his comments were really good this week during his presser on his teams improving. And uh, I, on if the light bulb, so to speak, has gone off for his team, Jimbo Fisher, you know, he's quickly become one of the best quotes in the SEC with some mm-hmm. of the knowledge and the coaching and everything. It seems like he's always trying to coach up these reporters. Uh, I just really, really found these comments interesting. When you started seeing the, the improvement, was it just part of the process or was there kind of a light bulb moment, whether in a game it's part or of the practice? process that you just got to keep growing and you keep grinding and you – and when they don't do it, you make them do it. 
At the end of the day, they don't, they don't ask them to do it. You got to make them do it and make them do it over. And, 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 it, and it, here's the point. Kids today, and I say this as a general, I'm making a general statement. I coach, I can do it right. Well, can you not do it wrong? There's a difference. And that we did more of we couldn't do it wrong in the game than we did periodically doing things right. And I think that's where youth and inexperience doesn't understand the responsibility that each time that I do it wrong could change the game, even though it's nine out of ten times I do it right. That can change the game, especially when you're playing as good a people as we play in the tight games in which we play. That mentality has to be there, and it's still not there all the way. We're still growing in that regard, and we have to get there. And a quick follow-up on that. How important is patience given the youth that you have on the team? <laughs> and you're, as a reporter, y'all ask that question. <laughs> y'all ask, ask all kind of questions, don't you? No, I know. I joke about it. No, but no, but no, it is. You got Listen, as a coach, you got to know we see things you don't see. Because everything you see in the fan, which is, which is what the game is about. It's about results. There's no doubt. But there's a process to it and why those things are happening are, and are they not capable of happening? And why are they not happening? Can they be fixed? And I think that's the, you know, as I, as I assume all of us do with our kids, a lot of people don't see your kids the same way you do every day behind the scenes and at home, what they're capable of when they do things like they're supposed to do. So you don't throw them away and you don't can them and you don't, you, you stay with them knowing they can get there. But there's a fine line where the production and the things have to come. And that's, you, you, that's what we walk. And you got to find that in between. And that's what we're doing. And we're still on that. We still got to get there. And, and, uh, and you, you know, it's funny as a coach, though, it's always there like that. No matter what, it's always there like that. And you just got to keep fighting for that. Fight, as that's those inches that I talk about and stay with guys and keep belief in them. Jim, it was about this time a year ago, I think it was the Ole Miss game, where you said that you felt like maybe a light came on or a turn, corner was turned. And I was wondering, do you, uh, do you have any kind of sense of something no, similar No, I mean, happening? just because you played one great game don't mean that light bulb off. Sometimes they flicker. <laughs> you know, sometimes hopefully they don't flicker. Hopefully we've, we've kept, the, we kept the juice going. You know what I'm saying? And, and if we learn, if we learn why – listen, we always say, okay, why did you make mistakes? Why did you play bad? You all want to know that. Why do we play good? It's the same thing. As a player, as a, you know, why did we play well? Okay, we prepared. Maybe I watched more film this week. Maybe I, go back and review why you play good. That, you know, I blocked out. I did, wasn't on social media 19 hours today. <laughs> you know, I did my work. I did what I was supposed to do. I did my film time. I studied. I did, I did extra film in practice. Or I practiced. I had a great mentality in practice. I was really focused, and it carried over to the game. So you can repeat. If you learn why you have successes and failures, then you can either stop them and repeat them like you want to. I mean, stop the failures and repeat the successes. And hopefully we can learn from that and hopefully continue to play well. Do you, are you nervous? Are, are you nervous at this game at all? Well, I'm not nervous, but, I mean, I don't think they'll lose. But, like, what happens if – that's the thing. They're playing so many freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. That if, like, they don't take it seriously, I mean, sh- I mean shit, crazier things have happened. So what, what, would, what would Texas A&M have to do to lose this game? I think Kellen Mon, you know, throw a couple interceptions. I think mm-hmm. the defense – uh, has some busts in the secondary, or uh, maybe having. I know UTSA's got a really good running back. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Just have him take over the game. I mean, a lot of things would have to go wrong, uh, but uh, you know, I I just don't think this is a a quality team. That uh, I think if they if they come with the focus they came the last week, particularly against Mississippi State, mm-hmm. they'll beat the hell out of this team. But I if they you. if they just don't come prepared, don't come focused, think they're just better than them. Uh, Frank Wilson's 
I mean, he's a hell of a coach, and I think uh, I think they could be in for trouble if they don't take him seriously. I got you, man. What are they, Roadrunners? Yes, you know, sir. You know what's interesting about this game, I think, is the fact it's a 38-point spread and it's 53 points over under. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm, I may take that over, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, Shane, uh, last thing I got here, I just thought this was pretty interesting. Thanks to uh, sportbetting.ag uh, hooked me up with this line, Shane. An early betting line has been released for Alabama LSU, the Crimson Tide, favored by eight points, oh, according wow. to sportsbetting.ag. Uh, thoughts on that line? And also I should note, uh, the the odds maker over there sent me an email to, to let me know that if they're putting this line out with not knowing if two is going to play, yeah, and they say if two is cleared, that line's going to jump up to ten. Holy crap! So thoughts on that, Shane? I mean, I gotta think you'd be favoring LSU with the ten points or currently eight as it is on SportBetting.ag uh, for this, even though this this game is in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Dude, that's just no respect, man. You know, I think I've seen – I yes, Alabama had a great week last week, but, you know, it was against Arkansas. and Nothing against Arkansas. It's just we know exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. You've got an LSU team that is playing freaking juggernauts and winning week after week after week. And, and now here we're getting to the LSU's biggest game, Alabama's biggest game of the season. I don't know, man. I, I thought this would be – I mean, if let's say Tua is in, okay, because that's what that's what old Saban said. Maybe you know it's probably going to happen, and Saban usually doesn't lie to me. So let's say he's in there, and this thing's eleven point spread. Jeez, I just think that's that is motivation for the next two weeks for LSU, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating one. Shit, I thought I knew Alabama would be favored. I mean, yeah, I, I did too. But eleven I be- points. I believe they've only been not the favorite once. In since like 2012, something insane. Probably goes ten- back e- even further than that. But is that Tennessee uh, last year? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, the Georgia game at Georgia in 2015. I want to say mm-hmm. that was. The, I think that was the last. The last Mark Richt year. What year would that have been? Yeah, 2015. And uh, you know who who the defensive coordinator there at. Georgia at the time, Shane. Uh, that would be Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And he lost that game, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of this Alabama LSU, Shane, get back on track here. I just thought this was fascinating. These comments were actually from a couple days ago, but I just tracked them down here on Tuesday. Uh, this is Justin Jefferson, the receiver from LSU, talking about this LSU team and the fact that they have yet to see an offense of this caliber um they haven't seen an offense uh like us yet and um especially we're, we're going to come for their heads i mean we're going to we're going to do what we need to do we're going to continue to to throw the ball we're going to continue to run the ball so uh we're excited to to go against them and uh, we just want to come out with the win how different is this team than the one that went to Al- or you hosted alabama last year um I mean, I, I don't really know the answer to that question, but uh, we're gonna be ready. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna dominate. I mean, there's there's nothing much to it. I mean, we we owe them, so we're gonna get to it. All right, Shane. These are some pretty bold 
comments here from Justin Jefferson. I think he's got a point, but, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about motivation, but uh, maybe <laughs> this is one old Coach O probably helps, uh, probably probably wishes old Justin would have kept to himself. Yeah, it's like him Texas A&M lineman talking about Clemson, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is fuel. Saban loves it. He's looking for this type of stuff, and he's going to use every morsel, but so is Coach O, man. If you're, you're talking, here's the spread came out a week early and you know they're not even favored don't even know if the starting quarterback's going to play and they're favored <laughs> you by a touchdown so yeah this this is going to be a bloodbath but you know uh, we've got a we got two weeks to get to that one we've got we got plenty of bloodbath games coming this weekend all right shane uh, that'll do it and uh, before we hop off here just letting the listeners know our latest shipment of koozies came in we just tore through the first hundred so if you still want to get a koozie we got purple we got maroon we got crimson and we got another order of black koozies Mm -hmm. so give us a five-star rate and review we'll be more than happy to send you a koozie for free and i'm personally sending these out not having some damn company do it no one's going to have your information that you don't want out there (laughs) this is just me uh filling these out (laughs) sending these uh but like I said, hit us up on the on the Twitters, on the Reddit, at that SEC podcast at gmail.com. If you want one of these, uh, you know, show us your five-star written review, and we're more than happy to send you one of those just, just as a thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting it. Uh, we really do appreciate all you guys. Absolutely, man. All right, Shane, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. I think your fan kicked on. I think your fan kicked on. I think your fan kicked on. My fan ain't on. Shane, so that's all I've got around the league. You got anything before we hop off here? Oh man, Mike, this one this one went a little long. A lot of that had to do with me uh, rambling. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to cut this one short. And uh, well, not really short. So we're an hour now. So no, that's all I got, Mike. I'm just here. I am rambling again at the tail end. Let me let me try that one again. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. <clears throat> no, Mike. That's all I got, man. Okay, let me try that. Do I need to say it longer? No, that's fine. Okay.